podcast can only be an hour long because that's how long it takes for your body to be completely filled with fluids. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 127 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I tie tin cans together and then send bites through them. I'm Sam and I make pictures. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is December 3rd, 2017. Berthard is one of my favorite days. (laughs) (laughs) Before we get started, we have a warning. Anything can happen on this show, there will be profanity, so if you're a child, get out of here. Let's talk about the news, gentlemen. Well, welcome to December. Welcome to December. I felt like this it, month would... Well, actually, I felt like November would never arrive. And I didn't even realize November happened. Yeah. And now it's December. All we got time. one day of November, and now it's yep. December. But it's weird, But it's summer now, which is kind of yeah. weird. Yeah, St. Uh, Louis' weather is misbehaving. We went to... Uh-huh. Be a calm word it's for flying it. flying out the rails. We went, to cut, we went to cut down uh, Christmas trees yesterday. And uh, I was just out there in a t-shirt, <laughs> 60 yeah. degrees. wearing sunglasses and a t-shirt. Cutting down I, got, I got sweaty. I, got yeah, sweaty I think I got a little sunburned. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's happening. Yeah. Nowadays you got to bring your, your sunscreen and your beach towel mm-hmm. to go cut down your Christmas tree. So those of you who are still on the fence about global warming, you maybe get off that fence. Get off that fence. Just look around. Cause that fence is getting real warm. It's going to burn your ass. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so we got, so in the news this week, we got, a letter sent to our mailbox at mail, mailbox.bscotch.net? No, bit.ly. Both of them Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I think they both work. Mailbox.bscotch.net. It, it was a box filled with how many varieties of M&Ms? Like six, I think. I think a nine. Lot. There were a lot of that many. Yes. I think nine, probably possibly nine to 30 varieties of M&Ms. M&Ms we didn't even know existed like, like coffee co- yeah coffee that was coffee like- m&ms they have m&m m&ms which yep. is there's m&ms inside of other m&ms like, it's like it's like an m&m meme, right turducken i heard you like m&ms we put m&ms inside your m&ms right <laughs> yeah um but then they got they've got kind of the the thing called m&ms mouth surprise where they just threw reese's skittles and m&ms all into one bag <laughs> And then you just you got you just go for it. I was, I it comes was, with a, it comes with a blindfold. I also. thought this was real for a second, and I was like, "That is the most horrible thing." I didn't see that back. Uh, mouth surprise, and they no also have a mouth surprise. They also have M and M's Premium, which it comes in a velvet bag, and every M and M is individually wrapped in a gold foil. Yeah. Um, those are real expensive. It's horrible very, for the environment, but it feels very luxurious. It's yeah. very luxurious. <laughs> There's uh, probably a BuzzFeed video about taste testing your cheapo M&Ms versus these gold-wrapped mm-hmm. M&Ms. Yeah. And so so we were we got this, this box of M&Ms, and we're like, what the hell is this? We started eating them. And then we saw there's a note, uh, and it was uh, it was sent from Dwarven Jester. So thanks for our, the M&Ms. Thanks for the M&Ms. Uh, as well as last week, was it last week we talked about meat, peace, wean traditions? Or One of the two, two weeks, yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have our own holiday now called Meat, Peace, Wean, which occurs between Halloween and Thanksgiving. Yep. It's where you get together with all your friends and you gather around the meat piece. Mm-hmm. And then you you partake of its strength. <laughs> and, uh, so we got we got some extra lore for, or extra traditions from Dwarven Jester regarding... Uh, the M and M's. So essentially, and casting lots. It's, yeah, essentially, the the new tradition is you have a cauldron at Meat Peace Ween, and you take every kind of M M&M and M that you can find, and you 
mix them into the cauldron, mm-hmm. uh, and then you all plunge your hands into the cauldron and take as many M and M's as you can. Mm-hmm. So, uh, should I should I yeah, read, read the read a little <laughs> snippet of that lore? It was so, it was written like a, almost like a Bible entry for you know how to do your holiday. So it was very nice. Yeah, so the the lore says, And so it shall come to pass that a stranger from the east, who is both diminutive and amusing, shall present a gift of lots unto the wrangler of those whose shenanigans are butterscotchy. And those lots shall number in the tens, as double digits is the threshold from some to lots. <laughs> the wrangler shall then cast the lots into the meat piece ween cauldron, and then... Shalt they be stirred with vigor, or at least a semblance of enthusiasm? <laughs> Only once the lots are thoroughly mingled, lots are M&Ms, I think, mm-hmm. in this case. Only once the lots are thoroughly mingled, shalt they be offered up all those in the studio, and each shall take it in their turn to plunge their hand into the cauldron and draw from it lots. <laughs> And then shall the lots be consumed in short order. Thus shall the drawing of the lots continue apace over the intervening days until the lots are but a wistful recollection. <laughs> so I Lovely. think. But there's in, also, I didn't, I didn't realize it on my first read through, but this actually begins with somebody outside of this giving. From the East. From the East. So, you, so, so this is kind of a costly thing for people who are East of other people. That's true. It is. But, but, we all but east we're of all east of someone. That's you know? true. So if it's you just sort go of a, far enough. So this is kind of the pay it forward aspect of meat mm-hmm. piece. It's meat sort of where, a gremlin situation. Yeah. You have a friend from the east who sends you a shitload of M&Ms <laughs> and then you throw them into a bucket and you and all your friends during meat piece ween eat, partake of the, the M&M bucket, basically. Mm-hmm. So we're pretty excited about that. We're going to be implementing this tradition next year mm-hmm. at Meat Peace Ween. Yeah, so thanks a bunch. Well, thanks Jester. a lot, Dwarven Jester. Uh, also in the news, Sam and I are preparing to head off to Uruguay. We're actually recording this uh, episode one day early. because we're, Sunday. We're leaving tomorrow. Interestingly, we're going to be traveling for uh, almost 20,000 years. Actually, yeah, almost 24 hours. Mm-hmm. But the first 12 hours of that, we won't even be leaving the United States. <laughs> so, you know, I've, I've been worried about the, I can't figure out the math on this because, you know, there's tons of times where you get, you actually have a cheaper flight if you take more flights, you know. Yeah, if you pass, you pass through a hub for the airline right. or whatever. And so in our case, we're going to, we're flying, flying from the middle of the country to the West Coast first and then to Florida. So we're sort of doing that. We're going as far away as we could. And then coming, we're actually going, we're actually going to the far Northwest corner of the United States and then to the far Southeast corner of the United States. So we're actually, we're actually flying uh, a five hour flight Mm -hmm. to go from Washington state down to Florida. I think I'm going to take it as my opportunity to refer to just the entire country as flyover country. Because we are flying over it. Yeah, that's true. As yeah. For the rest of these conversations. Be like, yeah, I flew over it once. Although, unfortunately, you're not flying over the Northeast, which is the main place you need to be able to call flyover country. That's true. That is true. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so which is just a bit of revenge because that's how they refer to yeah. places that we yeah. have always lived. So, <laughs> we are leaving tomorrow morning to go to Uruguay. But we won't be leaving the United States until tomorrow night. Correct. At which point we just have a direct flight straight to Uruguay. It's only, so, like, <laughs> it's only like seven hours. From yeah, Florida. it's not that bad once you're in Florida. Yeah, um, great. So let's talk about what what do you got to do to prepare for a trip like this? Well, I think it depends on the person, right? Because so some people are haunted by extreme anxiety when it comes to flights, and so they basically have to be tranquilized. Yeah. Right? So you just bring your darts and basically just dart it up. Yep. 
That's all you need. You have to dart before you get to the airport, though, because security will definitely take those They'll away. take your darts. Yeah. It's true. And then you have to somehow Unless manage. your darts are under 3.2 ounces. Then it, Actually, that's true. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so. And, so you, and you, have blunt, you have to have blunt enough needles, though. So. Yeah, you got to really. It's not going to feel great. You just use knitting needles. You got to really, like, get them, you know, really get them in there. Yep. But yeah, so if, if you're the sort of person who has a lot of anxiety, then most of, most of travel is oriented around, like, how to you know, tamp that down and get that under control because it is weird. If you, if you do pay attention to the fact that you're on a, you're riding an explosion through the sky it is a little freaky, right? Well, I mean, it's a series of small explosions like a car, which is, I don't it's know like if that's better engine. or if it's worse, but you know, hard to say, hard to say. So I think it just bothers me that my seat is a flotation device and not a parachute. You know, <laughs> I feel like, <laughs> yeah. I feel like if I'm if I'm needing to float, it's already well. We're well past a scenario where do. I could have gotten out. <laughs> they should have like evacuation doors just along the whole, all of the rows, and then in the case of an evacuation, kind of like a Pez dispenser, mm-hmm. you know, where like pops you pop the Pez out. If it just shot everyone out yeah. laterally from the airplane, and there was just parachutes attached to your seats because you're already buckled Some of in. to get shot out real far because I was going to get sucked right. <laughs> in the no, what they what they need is they need, a, an <laughs> they need a, a thing where the plane is actually split down the middle, sort of like a banana split. Oh, so then it breaks in half and then dumps all the people out. Yeah, it break it, it pops apart <laughs> and then the seats are on rails and they just slide out. You know, they just <laughs> slide out, and now you just pull a cord and boom, your seat. It's like an ejection seat. Someone, yep. someone called Boeing. I know they're going through some tough times right now. We got some ideas. Honestly, if my <laughs> seat could, if my seat could parachute me. I'd feel pretty good about that. Yeah, I feel. Like well, the problem is you have to get out of the airplane, though. I think that's that's the reason that they don't. Is it just assumes that you're going to die because it's too hard to mm-hmm. get everybody off of the plane through, you know, a single a single hole port. Yep, yep. That's why you cut the plane in half. Boom, right down the middle. Yeah. Slide Anyways, everybody. So <laughs> any of you who are flying this week, sorry for the <laughs> increasing your anxiety. Um, but yeah, so we our approach has generally been because we don't have we don't naturally have a you know flight anxiety that is actually great because you're trapped. And what I mean by that is it's like a sabbatical. It basically ends up being a sabbatical because there's no one can talk to you. And like, usually if there's someone next to you, you don't want to strike up a conversation with them, especially on like a seven hour flight. Oh yeah. Don't start a conversation on a seven hour flight. You could do it. And like, I, if I'm going to do it, I usually do it in the last hour. Right. So I'm like, there's a time limit now. I give it about eight minutes. <laughs> so as we start to land, it's kind of like, so how was, how was that flight? How was that flight? <laughs> But yeah, so for us, what we do is we basically pack up. Uh, it's almost like I guess almost like going, spending the night in the library, kind of, right? So you pack up a, ver- it's a lock-in <laughs> variety of materials. So I got some books. I got six books because we're flying a lot. So I figured I might be able to get through all of them. We got uh, about forty hours of reading to pack in. Yeah, and then I uh, got uh, got a few printout images for stuff that I want to kind of practice and and do some master studies on, and then. Otherwise, of course, we're just sitting there and we've been making this game. So we have a lot of stuff to talk about, generally speaking. So we use it as this like really intense compounded period where we get to just hang out. It's almost like a quarterly reviews where we're like, yeah. all right, we're just hanging out for the whole day. There's a danger with this, though, mm. which is that every time we have a quarterly review, a whole bunch of big changes get implemented. It's true. And this is like a this is a 40 hour quarterly review. Oh, so shit. try not to get it. Get, just be careful <laughs> so that when you come back, all of a sudden you're like, so now the company is a different thing. And also, we're not making scuffle buddies. Now we make flip flops. Now we make parachutes for planes. Parachutes for planes. <laughs> we're calling it plane a shoots. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. So the other thing that's fun about uh, all this travel is the security side. Well, fun <laughs> is a strong word yeah. for it. So well, I think you, part of it is actually that because 
ICE in the United States now is apparently just off its hinges. That's customs. Yeah, the customs enforcement. And customs enforcement. Yeah, yeah, there is no more ICE in the United States because uh, it's all melted. Yeah. That's also true. But the so We just you, replaced all of the ICE with ICE. With agents. immigration officials. Yeah. Yeah. So when you come to customs, <laughs> apparently they've been doing this thing where they'll just like, they'll just like take your laptop. You just take it. And then they'll go through your emails or some crazy shit, uh, which we're not, I'm not super into that, you know? I'm not into that by any stretch. I'm an up, I'm an upstanding, you know, patriotic American, and that seems extremely non-American to me and non-patriotic to it's also, rifle through well, some That's inaccurate. It's quite American right now. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay, it is, yeah, but true. it's also a violation of your rights. Right. To yeah, yeah. Uh, against an unreasonable search and seizure. Yeah, but that's right. assuming that you have rights. Which apparently which we, turns don't out we don't anymore. So, so that's frustrating. Uh, but yeah, so we, we basically have to... We've been looking at all of our tech that we're bringing because we want to be able to bring our laptops, right? To be able to work, be able to communicate. Uh, and having to get like a burner laptop to go on a trip is really frustrating. So, And we have to have a lot of redundancies. So, for example, you know, having two-factor authentication, well, if that's tied to your phone, then if you assume that once you get back to your own country, then a government official is going to take your phone and just well, smash it with a hammer. This is the funny thing. I was, <laughs> I was thinking about this this morning because I was getting stuff ready and uh, Seth had worked up a checklist about all the stuff we need to do, you know, what what authentication to put on your stuff, uh, what other services to get. And I was like, this is weird. Cause usually I remember the past when I've traveled to like Europe and I went to some of the uh, former Soviet union countries and a lot of the concern was don't about, tell anybody that though. Yeah. Right. A lot of the concerns about like your personal safety, like going there right now. Yeah. It's just now on, my, the way back. on the way back. <laughs> I think yeah. that America is going to take my laptop and destroy. I it. mean, I've, I had this experience five years ago when uh, I brought a, I brought a Kindle back. And they were like, is this a bomb? And I was like, no, it's a, it's a Kindle. And it's like, a well, we're gonna, they're Kindle. like, well, we're going to need to open it up. And I was like, yeah, but you can't because it's sealed. And they're like, Maybe well, not anymore. Is- they just took a screwdriver and they just fucking jammed it into the Kindle <laughs> and ripped the back off and just destroyed it. And I was like, are you going to compensate that me for that? was back when Kindles were fairly new. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, are you going to compensate me for this? And they're like, no, we don't compensate for, like, it's just, it's just part property. of security. So I contacted Amazon and I was like, is, so this happened. And they sent me an email back and they're like, oh yeah, this happens all the time. We'll just send you a new one. Like, Holy <laughs> shit. But how crazy is that? I mean, that sounds, so I'm also yeah, I'm reading, way more anxious about dealing with our own government on the way yeah. back than literally anything else, including terrorists, which is what apparently this is supposed to be keeping from happening. Yeah. So yeah. it turns yeah. out the terrorists were us the whole time. The apparently. whole time. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to get to Uruguay, which is apparently very nice. Nervous, nervous about coming nervous back. Nervous about coming back to America. <laughs> so, so that sucks. Uh, it's always enlightening to travel, and I think uh, anytime I've done it, when going out of the out of the states, it's always it's those things where you notice the discrepancy between your own culture and another one, and you start understanding the weird contours of your own is usually what it is. Yeah. So instead of worrying about like the the changes that that exist in someone else's culture are not something that you're concerned about. It's just something you're like, oh, that's interesting. But then it sort of heightens the fact that maybe you don't do that or that you guys do do that. Back yeah. Home. Well, the first, the first instinct is when you see a group of people doing things differently than the way you do it is you always go, why do you do it like that? Without actually going, wait, why do we do it yep. like this? Right. So yeah, my, my experiences traveling to India were always really interesting in that, in that regard, because it's things like, you know, families live three generations in the same household, even mm-hmm. if they don't have to, they still do. Um, they have 800 to a thousand person weddings. Uh, right. they have like just, it's just, uh, it's a very different set of things. And, and there's all these different rituals and customs and stuff revolving around food and things. And, and here we just like take a, the nearest burger and just slap it across our face and hope debris gets in, <laughs> you know, like that's kind of how we do it. <laughs> so, right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's all very interesting. So I'm curious to see, see what it's like. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. So we also have. A new phase in 
Loot Box Watch 2017. Oh God, the saga continues. It's it's getting uh, it's getting worse. It's <laughs> weird. You would have thought you would have thunk it that it it wouldn't. All but right. so so up to date now. We've got God. the Battlefront Two sort of uh, implosion. Mm-hmm. Then we have the Destiny Two thing, mm-hmm. uh, which there was an update with the Destiny Two problem where de- where uh, Activate or I guess Bungie got caught lying to players about their XP gains to get loot boxes. So they said, oh, yeah, sorry about that. Uh, you know, we're going to fix that. So their fix was to undo suppressing players' XP gains and instead just double the amount of experience players re- needed to get those right. loot boxes. So players were still mad. Uh, I'm not quite sure where that has gone since then. Mm-hmm. And then uh, now we have Ultimate Fighting. It's the Uf- two- EA's UFC game. EA. Coming out. You know, they're still I, still in the middle. <laughs> actually, I saw, I saw this pop up, and I thought it was it was at that it's that parody problem, right? Where it's yeah. like, was that Pose Law? You know yeah, Pose Law. Where the what would be the parody of the situation is now just the situation. Yeah, so, so you can't tell if it's real yeah. You or read not. this article and you're like, this some somebody made a made a mobile game a while back called IAP Quest. Yep, yep. Where you. <laughs> You just you you. It's like a regular simple platform. You have to pay to unlock everything. You have to right? pay to unlock the ability to jump, yeah. and then like all this shit. And they made it as a joke, right? But this article, you should, all right. So explain it. Yeah, it so sounds well, like this. Almost. Essentially, what it, it basically like all of the progression is handled through loot boxes. Okay, just all all of it. Of it. And and as far as the online play goes, when you're going against other people, so you I mean, you can go and you know sign up for a match and go fight someone else. And if you want to, I think the 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 phrase that just blew my mind was was that you can unlock a if you buy a loot box you can unlock a rare level five jab golden jab golden jab which <laughs> it's just the same five star golden jab same move so you're punching people <laughs> you're just they, punching so they people. just so they basically they just make it so you just punch people really weakly you just have right. you have a weak punch but then if you just drop cash on the game then randomly via the power of gambling. You will your your punch magically becomes super super strong. Yeah, but apparently everything is handled like this, so it's not yeah. it's not the case that it's it's. But I mean, it's it's it, for some reason it feels like an extra layer of egregiousness because it, it's a punch. It's just your arm. Like, like you're not you're not buying an item. You're not yeah, like your arm is just better now. Yeah, your arm's better. You got good arm. Well, the, in that case, it's gambling. It's, yeah, in that case, it's literally paying for bigger numbers, right? Which I think is that's where the the whole box like the whole facade comes off of the whole thing. Yeah. At least when you're, if you're buying like a gun, something new, like a new gun or some it new functionality, looks it's, an object. it's an object. It feels yeah. tangible. But if they're like, you just punch harder because you paid a few bucks. You got the good old platinum jab. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So if, if you guys are interested in that, uh, just go, go Google that and read up on that article. Uh, be baffled as we were. I don't know what's going to happen with it. I don't know if it's yeah, the, the phrase I can't Friday. remember what the phrase exactly was, but just the uh, you know, <laughs> if you get if you get a five star rarity golden jab out of a loot box, then you can just punch people harder. Like, I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's happening. Uh, I guess I guess the idea now is to just go as hard as possible on this until every government in the world cracks just down, just destroys the video game industry. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so basically the in, the it's kind of like l- looting on the way out during a riot while everything is on fire mm-hmm. kind of a situation. <laughs> <laughs> Loot boxing on the way out. Yeah, so hopefully uh, hopefully Maybe the rest just, of us don't get caught in that. just change the name of UFC to loot boxing. Yeah. Loot boxing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> 
Yes. It's a little truth in advertising. What it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then it also, I'll sort of on the loot box front, Fortnite mm-hmm. has become a really strong competitor to player unknowns battlegrounds, if not actually surpassing it. Mm-hmm. So for- surpass it on Twitch, I believe, right? Uh, it's, it is, it's kind of bouncing around gotcha. yeah. where PUBG was, was sort of the top thing on Twitch for a long time. It's, you know, it's kind of gone down and League of Legends is now back at the top again, right. as you would expect. Um, but uh, Fortnite has reached a point where it's now occasionally surpassing PUBG or it's kind of like, you know, neck and neck with it. So Fortnite is made by Epic Games and it was originally supposed to be a, like a kind of a cartoony kind of fun almost Wildstar looking yeah. uh, tower defense game where you you and a bunch of friends got together, you scavenged the area and you picked up resources and equipment and stuff and then you built a base that you had to then protect yourself from hordes of zombies and stuff. Right. And so the sort of the gameplay loop was you'd go out, you'd scavenge and there'd be a timer where you'd know when the next wave of the zombies would come. So you'd have time to then get back to the base, quickly craft stuff, build your towers and defenses defend yourself and then between the next wave like the faster you cleared them the more time you had to go out and get more stuff right and so it just escalates um but there was it kind of got mixed reviews uh because it kind of felt monotonous and people felt like once they kind of got the the gimmick of it then there just wasn't a lot left Left, to it and so uh so they were kind of struggling to figure out like what do we how do we revive this game and then PUBG comes out and so the creators of Fortnite, they were looking at PUBG and they were like, wait a minute, this is just like, we have all the pieces of this. We have like, you can go out into the environment. We have these environments that are just the right size. We have the, we can support a hundred players. Um, we have these like timer systems for handling mm-hmm. waves and things like that. We have the ability to go out there and pick up resources and pick up weapons and stuff, which is what you do in PUBG. So they quickly pivoted and they made a battle Royale mode and it's basically a much more polished and refined right. and, and balanced free, version it? of PUBG. Is I don't, I don't know if it's free yet, Okay, but uh, I know they're, I think they're intending on making it free, but it's also uh, monetized through loot boxes. So there it is. So there it is. Uh, <laughs> um, but I think it's, it's an interesting example of a company that basically saw something that they, they made something that wasn't working. They looked around and they saw something that people were really into and they were like, we think we could do that, but even better. Mm-hmm. And they just, did. They just did it. They re-engineered <laughs> right. everything. Well, I think it's interesting because I, uh, you know, I think they got a bunch of they got some guff for it, uh, especially from Blue Hole, which is the makers of PUBG themselves. Apparently, there was there was some stuff about Blue Hole trying to like, well, because Blue because they, they use the Unreal Engine, right? Yeah, yeah. So so basically, with so Blue Epic, Hole had been leaning on Epic for an endorsement of support because they pay royalties to Epic, so they were they were giving Epic a ton of money, mm-hmm. and also Epic was helping them fix stuff about the engine that would make this kind of gameplay better. And Epic also made but Epic Fortnite. Also made the Fortnite right. and they own the engine, which means they could then turn around and take all of the lessons learned about this kind of a game from this other company. And just do it better. And then just apply it, apply it directly. Cause they just, they had, they had basically, they basically had insider knowledge of the entire workings of, right. of this other game. And, and, and they made a direct competitor for it. Right. Which is, that's a little whack. I think there's some, kind of no way around that. Some would say it's a little rude. Yeah. You know, to say the least. Yeah. But, but honestly, I, I, I played PUBG and, uh, and from, from what I've seen of Fortnite, I would much rather play something oh, yeah. like Fortnite because yeah. for starters, uh, people aren't bleeding everywhere. Yeah, I'm not even saying they shouldn't have done it. I'm just saying it's well, well, but here's it the, is still a little whack. Right? It, it's definitely whack. And I think that, yeah, the way they got around to it was in an ethical grayish 
dark gray area. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the fact is that, that, you know, I, based on what I've seen of PUBG and, and I did, I did play PUBG to try it out and, and uh, I found it really disorienting. I was mostly getting shot and I couldn't see anything. I couldn't see who was shooting yep. me or where it was coming mm-hmm. from. And, um, and looking at the sort of the general uh, level of polish and clarity and stuff of something like uh, Fortnite is the focus is a lot more on just like what you're doing rather than just being shot in the face from somewhere you can't even see. Right. Yeah. Um, and so it just seems a lot more accessible. I also and, prefer cartoon violence to graphical violence. Yeah. So that's. Yeah. But I think there's an interesting thing here, which is that, you know, you, you look at this. So there was this big success and then you but the, the, the underlying design of it is pretty apparent. Right. Yeah. So in other words, it's not it's not the sort of game. It's not like a deep, uh, it's like a four X strategy game or something where there's so it's many. It's actually a simple game concept. Yeah. There's so many knobs and levers that you couldn't even if you try to reverse engineer, it's just going to take a long time. Um. In the case of battle royale modes, those are really they're kind of just like the hard part obvious. is the hundred person network. Exactly. Once, you, once it, you've got that, then the game is like you pick up weapons and shoot each other. Well, it's, it's almost equivalent to like Agario or something like that. Those games where you basically eat other players and get bigger. Right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not really actually that much different. It's Agario, the FPS. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so when it comes to, you know, a bigger company, say spotting this thing, and this is something we hear a lot with, with devs who approach us and like, Hey, I have an idea, but I want to tell you to talk about it, but I don't want you to like take it and go do something. Um, first of all, we're like not interested in your ideas, but generally speaking, like when it comes to like reverse engineering an idea or someone sort of taking it, there's, there's a problem when it comes to the simplicity of the game and the success of the game versus the complexity of the game. So uh, in our case with Crashlands, for example, that game took a very long time to make and there's enough stuff going on under the hood that people can't just like, you can't just look at it and rebuild it. As far as we know, there aren't any clones out there. Correct. Um, except for literal direct clones or somebody just... Took the, took the APK and re-uploaded <laughs> and it, it to right. yeah. places. Um, and so what, what you end up seeing happening with uh, with some of these game modes that kind of pop up is it's kind of like when everybody put zombies in their games. Like So Left 4 Dead got huge, right? Mm-hmm. And then Call of Duty put in some zombies. And there was Day Z, and then there was something yeah. with another Z, and then there was Z something or other. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the mechanics are actually the same, which is shoot stuff in the face and then sort of set dressing slightly different. Then there's and, the survival ones. Yeah. Because then there was a wave of those over like a two-year period where it was just after Rust, survival game after survival game just after survival game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And some of those are really hard to make and some of them are not as hard to make on the design side. But there's an interesting parallel here between the games industry and sort of I think just the general startup industry actually, which is if you look at at companies that essentially build something that gains a huge amount of followers to say Instagram or, or Snapchat or something like that and then you look at these the giants in the room you know, Facebook, Amazon, Google, uh, they often offer to buy the tech. So they'll say, hey, Snapchat, for example, will buy you. Uh, and if Snapchat says no, then they just look at the design because it's not complicated and they just build it in-house rapidly, yeah. right? Yep. So, if, you know, Facebook, so yeah, Instagram. Things just consolidate. Yeah. So like and, Amazon owns Twitch, which owns uh, Curse, for mm-hmm. example. Right. right. So Amazon now owns Curse. Right. But the crazy <laughs> thing is if if it were the case, for example, that, you know, some new live streaming site came up and they're doing something that was just interesting in a particular way, but not particularly complex, then Twitch might offer to buy them. And then if they say no, they might be like, okay. And then they'll just build it themselves very rapidly because you can just see exactly what it is. Uh, And so there's this sort of push and pull then with, you know, like if your game gets huge, like PUBG did, like a huge success, like an unbelievable amount of success compared to the amount of resources that went into that thing. Uh, But the design is really simple and really obvious. And so you're going to have at that point 
you're going to have people you're hopping into high Clooney. level design, not yeah, not high level design. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, the execution is going to be hard as fuck because it's a game oh, yeah. and it's always yeah, hard yeah. to yeah. do it. But conceptually, there's nothing baffling. Correct. You know that's right. happening. Hmm. A lot of yeah. It's weird. So who's going to buy Discord? I don't know. Hopefully nobody. Hopefully, Hopefully nobody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess we'll see. Speaking of people giving out game ideas, we have a question about this. Mm. These questions come from podcast.bscotch.net. They're asked by our listeners there. So if you'd like to get your question on a future episode, head on over there, put some stuff in the text box, and then give the submit button a slap in the mouth. Mm -hmm. Yep. First question comes from Peanut Enut, <laughs> who says, I want to make a game, but I don't have any ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any non-game jam tips? So this is the person to bring your ideas to. This is the this is the, this is <laughs> the, the one, one person, person uh, who everybody in the world is looking for mm -hmm. because it's, here's here's how you get game ideas. You approach any stranger mm -hmm. in the world and you say, mm -hmm. "Hey, I make video games." They will give you an idea. <laughs> you can stop That's talking it. at that point. Because mm -hmm. the first thing they're going to say is, listen, I have a game idea that you should make, and then you're going to owe me like 50% of the royalties. Because mm -hmm. uh, as we all know, that's exactly how business works. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, just talk, just introduce yourself to people as a video game, developer. introduce yourself to people as a video game developer. And they will tell you what games you're supposed to make. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's how it works. <laughs> but otherwise I know you said you don't want game jams, right? Is that in there? No, uh, non game jam tips. Why? I don't know what that. Yeah. Do a game that jam. That's actually the best way go. to do It'll it. Take two days and you'll have a great idea. Yeah. Actually the, the game that we're currently working on scuffle buddies, it came out of a game jam mm -hmm. idea. Yep. And if you go to the Bscotch Discord, there's a bunch of people from the Shenanah Jam still in there still working, working on, on games that they made sometimes from the Shenanah Jam. Yeah. So uh, you don't need an idea. You just need a starting point. Yep. So uh, get a theme. Just like use a random word generator. Mm -hmm. Just look around your office or you know, just, just grab an item. One yeah. of my most fun ones, if you just think about an experience that you had that day and then try to think about how you would turn it into a game. Something as simple as like ordering a sandwich. At the at the sub shop, you can you can game that in many yeah. different directions. You just have to understand the fundamental concepts of what makes games fun, which is things like loops, a little bit of like randomness and surprises, mm -hmm. a sense of progression and, and goals. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes you don't need any of that if your game is gimmicky enough. That's true. Like that's true. Like Surgeon Simulator. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's fun. It's so just a fun make, interaction. It's just a fun interaction. So you can make a Surgeon Simulator where like you're driving to work. But you have to you have to be multitasking. So you, you, have to, you have to pick up your phone and do stuff on mm. it. You have to and try not to crash. Yeah, oh shit! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> texting while driving simulator. You got to send it, send yeah. and read as many texts as possible while driving while just driving down the interstate. Yeah, that'd be super easy to build. <laughs> and then the crazy thing about it, I mean, you could have so many fun things because the text could be ridiculous, right? See, so just ridiculous text coming in. You yep. could have to try to type on the touchscreen through the computer interface. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, uh, the the game would rate your texts that you sent. For how comprehensible they are. Mm -hmm. Just yep. you know, do a mm -hmm. quick grammar check on them, you know. Yep. Uh, well, have you seen, I mean, so the whole idea of a game, so there's a, have you seen the Desert Bus charity event every year? Desert Bus? It's called Desert Bus. No. So the game is literally, it's, you leave a bus station and it's a 10 hour drive to get to another bus station that's in, it's like, so there's two cities, I can't remember which ones they are, but in the Southwest. Wait, this is happening in real life? No. So people but, get on a bus? No, no, no. You, okay. Like in the, the whole charity event, is played in this game oh. and you just drive in the game from one city to the next and it's, you're just driving a bus 
Yeah, but it's like in real time, right? It's like, yeah, it takes you 10 hours to get from A to B. Okay. Nothing's happening. (laughs) You're just driving the fucking bus. Literally nothing happens. Have you guys, there's like, there's like truck simulator. But I mean, those games are actually awesome though. If you look at like all the gameplay and stuff going on. Management stuff. I mean, this is literally, you're just driving a bus in a straight line. Like it's a straight road for 10 hours. Is it, is it modeled after... Are, are you like seeing scenery and stuff? Or? No, you're in a fucking desert. It's a desert. So it's randomly generated <laughs> it's just, like a cactus here and there, maybe a rock. So okay. they so, this, they, so now where does the charity part come They from? just do this stream every year where people sign up to play desert bus for a year and they raise money. What? Why did they choose the most boring game? Because I think well, how point. is this like, different though than like running a 5K for charity? Yeah, I mean, that's boring as fuck. So, right? so, so do, do people pay you for how long you drive the bus? I think, yeah, I think they do that. They do all sorts of stuff like that. And so I think they've, they've now, like, there's some mileage <laughs> thing. I just, there's some metric that they hit some big milestone, which is some obscene either number of hours or number of miles, quote unquote, that the community right. has driven on this desert bus. Um, <laughs> so the, the, my point here with this is that. Do you need to stop for gas? Or, uh, or do you just keep I think driving? You just drive the whole time? <laughs> I think there's, there's literally no, there's like no mechanical. There's nothing you have to, to do. do. You just drive. Yeah. So mm-hmm. as far as this, this question of like what, you know, having some ideas for games, just, literally anything. As long as you just do, just do a good job of it. Yeah. That's the whole thing. Yeah. Don't do you a bad make, job. You can make a game do a good job. out of trying to install Windows updates on your computer. I yeah, did that I, the other day. I've been warned, but Windows keeps on, it's been telling me for two weeks now. It's like, hey, we got an update for you. Please. It just did it this, yesterday morning. Yeah, I've, 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 I've refused destroyed to my morning up. plan because yeah. of it. And then it's like, don't turn it off because we're updating right now. And then it turns back on. It's like, we've got an update for you. And I'm like, I fucking I just, know. Because you took three hours to put it together. <laughs> and I've been waiting. Yeah. They do that fun thing now where when you turn your computer on, it's like, hello. It always says that on the screen. And then yeah. it's like, we got some fun new, we got some fun new toys the for you. The thing I want to <laughs> Internet at Explorer is now your default browser. <laughs> Again. <It's> like, no. <laughs> the thing I want to scream at it every time is just like, you're not a Mac. Stop it. Just quit acting like it. Yeah. Just be okay with that. You do you. Yeah, yeah, your Windows. What you should do is say, here's the the patch notes for this patch. Scroll. And it should just be just a huge fucking text file that's as technical as possible. Mm -hmm. And then I can hit, I accept. Yep. At the bottom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I accept this patch. But even even the blue screen now is a a sad face. Yeah. You know, it used to be like a a crash, like a memory dump message. So you could like kind of... You look at it, and you'd say something very technical is going on yep. right now. I'm sure none of us knew what that even meant, but it felt like, like something went wrong. Smiley face, and you're like, "What? Stop it! Just so you're not a person. You're a machine. <laughs> Be a machine. <laughs> Stay in your lane. <laughs> Stay in your lane. <laughs> Embrace your truth." <sighs> All right. Next question comes from Quantum Anomaly. The Konami Code, Game Genie, Power Overwhelming. Some cheat codes have become legendary in gaming society but have recently been replaced with console commands or external editors what are your thoughts on cheats it took me a, a while to parse the first part of that sentence. A lot of f- i heard words. konami code and i was like i know what that is and i was that's I was, like i was that thinking down, about it up down yeah, yeah, yeah. Left yeah, right. so but i was trying to remember in. it while you then listed things i've never heard of well so to fill everybody in because we actually have there's a whole generation of probably listeners that don't even know what a cheat code is in some regard yeah because you developers back anymore. when back before we had internet patches Mm-hmm. And the internet, kind of just at all, really. Yeah. yeah. Developers would would create secret commands that you could put into a game, like the Konami code, which I think is like up, down, up, down. Left, right. A, B, start, left, yeah. right, left, A, B, start, select something. Which on some websites, if you do that, then a raptor will fly across the screen while screaming. Yeah. 
<laughs> that that if you enter that code, but like exactly that will happen on multiple different. No matter yes. what the website is. Yeah. What is, a, is, is there a, a raptor <laughs> between the raptor and the Konami? Wait, when you yes. say a raptor, do you mean like a modern raptor, like a, like bird, a bird of prey, right. or no, like I mean a like a velociraptor okay. pops up from the right and screams across to the so left? Do I <laughs> do I have to do this? I think on you our probably must. Okay. Right so. <laughs> So I I love the shit out of cheat codes for single player experiences. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh because it gives you the option to, you know, it's it's basically a variable difficulty curve, right? right? So going into StarCraft and you type mm-hmm. power overwhelming and now all your units are invincible. So if you're like, you know, I just want to see the cutscenes. Right. Like I've been struggling against this one level for a long time and I'm just I just suck and I just I'm need bad. to beat it now. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really want to spend another 35 hours learning how to do this. Which one was Black Sheep? Black Sheep Wall mm-hmm. was the, uh, I think, world, or was a Warcraft 3 uh, Infinite Gold, mm-hmm. I think. Something no. like that. Yeah, so a lot of these games, they just had text inputs. You just type in some code or whatever, mm-hmm. and then boom, you are you have God Mode, you have infinite money, right. you have whatever vehicles you want. Um, Even in Fallout, I still, I use the, uh, I increase my... My max carrying capacity. Yep. Because it's annoying as fuck. So yeah. fucking annoying. Now, speaking of cheating and speaking of Fortnite. Mm. Uh, yeah. How much has this game been ruined by cheating? Well, Epic Ooh, yeah. is actually suing people for cheating. Good. It's a new thing. Yeah. Because interestingly, if you cheat in Fortnite, you're actually ruining the game experience for 99 other people. Yep. Which real bad move. Yeah. And so uh the the of course the one that so Epic is is suing like eight people right now for using cheats that just give them like infinite health and infinite mm-hmm. ammo or whatever. So they they just go on like a Rambo style rampage through the through the game and just murder everybody and win mm-hmm. every time. Uh which literally so this is it's interesting because it seems like, oh, what's the big deal? You know, I'm just I'm just it's having just a fun. Game. But you're now ruining a product that uh, company has invested millions of dollars into making. And, right? that, and that the 99 other people playing have invested their money and time. Yeah. So if each person buys the game for 60 bucks, you know, then you're talking there's $6,000 worth of players in like of, of product mm-hmm. in there that yep. you just ruined. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, and so, so the, the one that's in the news is there was some 14 year old kid who did this and mm-hmm. is getting sued. Right. Uh, and so now there's like a big legal battle because this is a minor who can't actually accept the terms of use legally mm-hmm. for the game. Ooh, interesting. This might this might change how terms of use are held. Yeah, hell, because because games have this weird gray area where any online stuff you have to be uh, thirteen years or older. Or just the entire internet. Yes, yeah. yep. where you have to be thirteen area. years or older to to accept ter- or to uh, sign up for any account. Well, it's actually, because yeah, if you're if you're younger than thirteen, then COPPA applies, and so COPPA is the the legal thingy that basically says we're not, we as people providing services are not, are not allowed to collect personal information about people younger than 13. Right. But if you're under the age of 18, then you, you can't sign anything. You cannot sign any legally binding agreements mm-hmm. without the consent of a guardian. Right. Which so is then, what, so then which between, is what terms of, of use are. Right. So then between like 13 and 18, which is, which is an enormous fraction of a player base mm-hmm. for any, any game. You tech you people people are agreeing to terms and they're technically not legally able to right yeah which is really weird mm-hmm. so there so for example there can't be like a pirate under the age of eighteen because they can't agree that they won't redistribute the game they also can't agree that they are allowed to have the game in the first place are you saying we should start a criminal syndicate 
of minors who are all above the law. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, they are above the, uh, the law, right? Or are they like, below it? Or below it. They're somewhere they're too, too they're short sort of, to ride law, the law. They're yeah. law adjacent. Uh, thing is, 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 is basically the whole, the terms of use thing is basically a sham for this exact reason, which is that people, people, people don't can read just them anyways. say they agree to it, right? But if they're actually unable to agree to it because they're in a country where it doesn't apply or mm-hmm. because they're a minor, uh, then what, what does it mean if they say yes, but, but can't actually agree, right? What, what, what can you do now as the service provider? Like on, on the one hand, are you now liable for the shit that they do? Mm-hmm. Cause they agreed to your terms, but they can't. Right. Right. And, uh, and you can't stop them from doing that. Uh, so what, well, and what's the alternative? Would it be like, you can only accept people over the age of 18 or 18 or older, but even still, you just who say then, well, that's like who would have to send in some kind of identity verification. Right. Like they'd have to scan their driver's right. license mm-hmm. or something just to like make a Facebook account or a sign up to play mm-hmm. a video game. Yep. It's, it's one of the places where just kind of the, the way that we want to do stuff legally is just incompatible with how how the, the internet works, works and yeah. how the world works. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not sure what this is all going to turn into, but I'm, I've been wondering ever since I first started learning about terms of use when we started, to ha- when we needed one for our own, you know, uh, B-Sketch ID and stuff. And I was putting this thing together and I, I was like researching COPPA and doing all this. And mm-hmm. I was like, none of this makes any sense. Yeah. Just, it doesn't make any sense. Cause we, we've had, we've had people who were, you know, 12 or so, uh, just like tell us at some point they would be like, they'd be suddenly in our forums. They're technically, not it's allowed legal. to be, and they yeah. even agreed right. they wouldn't. And we're come like, into. you can't be here. We have to shut your account down. Yeah, like now because <laughs> right. you lied. Like you checked the box. Saying, yeah, but of course, yeah. there's an untold number of other people in there who are also just kids under the age of thirteen who are also lying, who, who just aren't telling us that they're lying. And we about can't it. enforce it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so unless they unless they just say it, they're like, oh, we have to yeah. ban you. Now. Which means for we, a year, and, I guess. right? We and every other uh, service provider using the internet uh, actually do have an enormous base of users whom on whom we're collecting private information that are technically under the age that we're allowed to collect. Private but we information. don't know that. We, we don't, don't know that. So and that's, also that's we basically make where the gray area comes yeah. in. Cause it's like, yeah. if, as long as you don't know. No, cause yes, yeah, so, but we don't know that part, but then mm-hmm. we've also made everybody agree that they are in this next bracket right. up to age 18 from 13 to 18. Yeah. That they're not going to like hacker services that they're not going to do all this. But things. they can't but, agree to that. Yeah. But, we, but, but part of the agreement that basically, just because says, they can't sign contracts. Right. But part of the agreement actually says, if you cannot agree to this for legal reasons, then you may not use our services. Right. Mm-hmm. And that just says there. But if, but if they can't agree for legal reasons, can they just use it anyway? Like how does. Yeah. Well, this, this reminds me yeah. of how, for example, mm-hmm. if you sign a contract for a business, you know, there's always a section in there, which is your warranties section, which yeah. says I, as a signer of this contract, I guarantee that I am legal, I'm legally it. authorized to sign it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but so what you, happens if you're not, and then you sign it anyway? Right. It's like a paradox. Yeah. There's no, I think it just invalidates the contract. Once somebody finds out, I guess is how that. Yeah. Right. But you could still sign it, and then the person on the other end of it doesn't know that you lied, and then you can yeah. start doing business, and then what? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. So uh, the law is dumb and weird, and mm-hmm. it it doesn't work with the internet. Yes, which is now what we're seeing. Or all kinds of things, really. Yeah, yeah. This is now what we're seeing with this, you know, this Fortnite case in particular. It's going to get real weird because what does that even mean to sue a minor? I think it's they're suing him for like one hundred fifty thousand dollars or something. With the now that's success. That's over the yeah. top. This, well, I mean, so this is like record start. company shit. Yeah, they always start yeah. there, right? And then it goes down to like nothing. But um, I think I think it's actually, actually, actually if you consider all the loot boxes that they could have sold to those other ninety nine <laughs> people. True. That's true. And if I mean, if this kid played like twenty games, yeah, you know, then that's two thousand people whose games he's ruined. 
and how many loot boxes is that? Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's. But I think it's actually much scarier if you if you because this, this is why this is, this is how the <laughs> RIAA fucked up, yeah. and also now how how Epic may be potentially fucking up is that you don't go after like kids and parents. Well, they for, don't know those. for million dollar settlements, right? Yeah, but the, the problem is they they start at like a million bucks or hundred right. thousand dollars or whatever, uh, and and they and they target a small population of people. But if they just target everybody, but hit hit a more a less insane mark, like $5,000. Mm-hmm. That's actually far scarier because that feels real now. You right. Know? It feels really, because it feels like, because when it's like a million dollars, like I can't possibly pay that. There's there's right. no way. There's it's no just universe. An, yeah, it's an incomprehensible It's punishment. just a big number. So you're saying if there's basically like a cheating tax. Yeah, if there was just a cheating tax. Pay 500 bucks and cheat all you want. We're just going to take 500 bucks from you. Well, no, but then nice. you also can't play the game. Well, anymore. so the, uh, also it's got to be both. <laughs> the, the mother in this case said that she's going to try to find a way to redirect the lawsuit to the company that uh, made the the cheating software. Yeah, she's good at both. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But this is interesting, too, because kind of reminds me of, say, like those wild private servers, which Blizzard goes after. Yep. Um, but those are companies. Right. And so Blizzard can say, you owe us $50 million for the damages you've done. And if the court says, yep, that's what you got to do, then those companies can just go, oh, dang it. Ooh, we're bankrupt now. Yep. And then they don't. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. The company just closes. Now it ceases to be a legal then entity. Then they start another company and just reboot it. Yeah, over. but a person has a can't. much harder time with that yeah. because a person can't just delete all of their legal sort of, uh, you know, background Wait, and so just you, restart. You can't like a go company. bankrupt and then restart in the way that you restart without having that bankruptcy on you. Which right. Because right? yeah, the company can go bankrupt and just it just disappears and then you just start a new one. Yeah. Well, or it could just keep going and then lenders are like, oh, dang it. We'll just give you money anyways because, yeah. you know. Because you're yeah. yeah. So this is tricky. Yeah, so yeah. we'll see. Actually, it also kind of makes me think of uh, like underage drinking in the U.S. Because yep. parents are are liable for their kids if they if they like drink in their house or something underage, right. or like other people's kids come to your house. That's and, true. Right. Parents are liable, and that actually makes sense. Like somebody needs to be right, and ki- <laughs> and kids can't. So so I think this is actually one of those. Well, the law can't that, just go. Yeah, this doesn't apply to you. Yeah, so I but guess that's so I guess it's not illegal anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so so in order for actually in order for us to have legal rules, like somebody has to be somebody has to be responsible. And mm-hmm. I think it still makes sense in this in this context that if your if your kids are doing illegal shit and can't be held responsible for it, then the, you gotta then put the, the, the bill. Parent has well, to you're the guardian. Right? Yeah, you're the responsible party. It like obviously, mm-hmm. really sucks to be that parent and not even know that your kids doing that shit and have that happen, but. This is why parents, you got to talk to your kids. So you got to talk to your kids about cheating in video games. And you got to <laughs> yeah. sit down. You got to have you know. the talk <laughs> about pirating music, cheating in video games, and drugs. Uh-huh. But it was the, the case the, with the trifecta <laughs> of teenage rebellion. Yeah, but it was the case with like with music piracy uh, back when the RIA was suing everybody yeah. for huge amounts of money. That that was the thing that prevent that was the, that was one of the things that like put me away from it forever because I was looking at that and I was like, oh yeah, this actually just has to be how it is. You know, those the sums were outrageous and the way they did it was was horrible obviously but but the but the general principle like that has to be how it is and so uh anytime it's also the same way i felt about underage drinking which is always why i put those two things together you know uh is like i didn't i didn't do it not even because i thought it was bad or because dare told me not to but because i didn't want my parents to go to jail right right (laughs) Right. you know you understood the direction of responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Right. Where, where it goes is that things don't get don't fall on you. Yeah, but now now you create this imbalance of power where you might have like a teenager who's a total dick mm, who's yeah. like, I do want my parents to go to jail. Yeah, but I imagine <laughs> I imagine there are some scenarios where you can still like get you You'd know, be like, no, it's definitely that little bastard's fault. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, not legally, but just sort of ethically. Yeah. yeah. 
Well, I mean, I mean also, <laughs> you know, kids can get into legal trouble too. It's just a different kind of legal trouble. Yeah. So, uh, with reduced sentences yeah. or whatever it is. Which again, like, is very reasonable because kids are dumb as rocks. They don't know mm. what they're doing. They don't understand that actions have consequences. Yeah, I've, I still, know? I'm of the belief that before the age of 25, most of what you do. Yeah, when I say kids, I mean anybody under 25. Yeah, because like most of what you do pre-25 should be somehow deletable from, like, from, <laughs> your, from your history. Yeah. You should still have consequences, but mm-hmm. they should be more short-term. Right. Yeah. I, Including I, taking on debt for college, et cetera. It's insane. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of the tax code <laughs> that just happened. It's not done yet. It's got to go back. Well, they did shove a bunch of notes into it in the margins. Yeah. Whatever. I'm not going to get into it. <laughs> uh, yeah. We don't, need, we don't need to go down that road <laughs> as much as we would probably like to. Uh, all right. Next question comes from Gafferman. Miyazaki is known for designing creatures that at face value are grotesque, but have an elegance and or deep sadness about them, mm. which begs the question, what is the B-Scotch philosophy when designing creatures? Mm. So Sam... Sure. Yeah. So you and Tifa now mm-hmm. are the yeah. So Tifa's been doing a lot of the uh, design for creatures in this this up- upcoming game. It does have creatures? Oh shit! Spoiler lot alert. Spoiler. Spoiler. And a lot of it's been sort of the two of us working together to essentially work through this question because this isn't something we had to answer before, right? We'll have to put into words what it means to make a, yeah, a you creature. Can just do things. Because I just do things. Um, so now I've had to sort of convert that understanding on and, and pass it on in a way. Which has been really interesting, really cool. But uh, one of the biggest, biggest learnings from it is that I, all of my designs are always mechanically oriented or design oriented. So what that means is they exist to serve a particular gameplay purpose. Yeah. Period. Um, and when it comes to what the end, end all be all form of the thing is, it's all just completely driven out of that one singular focus. So the example we always give is the Wampet from Crashlands, which just needed, we needed a a creature that could just stomp on, or basically that did AOE damage. It needed a really basic AOE attack. It also needed to... That's area of effect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It needed to not look threatening, um, and it needed to look like it fit in that particular sort of environment right. that we So made. those are my three triangulation points, and I just went and made So like, we know it lives in the plains. One-legged hippo thing that jumps on people. Yeah. Uh, and as far as the, what happens is with the, the overall tone, I think it's actually just a result of the style, which is, we refer to it internally as sort of a, combination of grotesque and cute there's there we're somehow in sort the middle ground Groot, Groot, grotesque <laughs> cute um cutesque. cutesque yeah we're in some sort of middle ground area there because what's essentially happening is we have cartoonish proportions and coloring but then almost a realistic level of detail happening so there's like wrinkles Lots, yeah wrinkles, wrinkles, and and wrinkles and shadows a lot of uh texture work and that sort of thing all done with line right and so it, it stands out very very thoroughly so I think the overall the overall theme for us is actually uh, on the is it's it's all mechanically and design driven, and then beyond that, the style sort of says that it becomes this sort of grotesque cute thing, or this cutesque thing, and it's been really interesting because uh, Tifa's got a very different sort of natural style than I do because she grew up drawing forever, and so uh, she has her own, everyone sort of if you grow up drawing or you have been drawing for a long period of time, you sort of have your own way of uh, communicating your visual ideas, and hers tends to be very whimsical. And so, like, lots of really long-formed bodies and and stretchy, out yeah, stretchy things, which actually just don't work very well in this particular 2D gameplay sense that we're trying to, to do. Yeah, have, having things be really compact. Basically, it's sort of like the physics joke about, like, a spherical cow in a right. vacuum, right? Like, the more 
sort of compact and spherical something is, the easier it is to calculate collisions and hitboxes and stuff. Exactly. And as soon as something has like a weird long arm poking off, you know, 200 pixels to the side, mm-hmm. then there's always a question of, am I am I banging into this thing or do I just walk through the right. arm? Does it count as yeah. we hit? Yeah, like yeah. what's happening here? And so what's been really interesting for, for her and I working together is sort of her skilling up on the technical expertise to know what the outcomes of certain designs are. So for example, like if you want to put a tentacle on something, the reason we actually don't put tentacles on things that aren't like arms, essentially. Because tentacles need to whip around. If they don't wiggle, then it just looks like a like a rod. Like a lumpy rod. Yeah. It's just weird. <laughs> and animating tentacles is not too many pieces. Yeah, not too so many pieces. That becomes one of those things where until we get either until we figure out how to do that on an engine side, like on a whole another sort of animation side, uh, we sort of shy away from that. And so a lot of the designs that I should say we, we know how to do it, but it's an optimization correct. problem, yeah. right? And so a lot of the a lot of the designs then end up being they're 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 not as whack as we would like them to be because they have to be simplified, right? In order to actually work in a game engine context. And so it's been really interesting because this game does have these creatures, these monsters in it. And so we've been looking at, you know, tons of examples from other games. And it's really fun. It's funny looking at games where they didn't have, say, like an animation component involved. So if you look at like a trading card game, for example, where they have like just the crazy drawings, the crazy paintings on the thing. They don't have to worry about that thing animating in any regard. They just animate the card. Yeah, they'll just like make it shiny or whatever. Like in, yeah, in Hearthstone. In Hearthstone, the card literally just pops up off the board and then it slams into yeah. the other card and then it goes back. <laughs> so what that means is that visually they have they have 100% freedom to just do whatever they want because that thing does not have to obey any, it's just, it's purely an image. Yep. It's not an animation as well. And actually in a lot of cases, I think in Hearthstone, they used a lot of fan art, which they then, yeah. they commissioned from people who are doing lots of really fantastic fan art and they just like paid them to use their art. Right, which is awesome. So now they don't even have to do that. They don't even have to make it. <laughs> yeah, so you just make the housing. And just make the it. housing and now you just, take, you just take the art. Yeah, and so basically the, the more technical the game requirements are, then the more constricted the style has to be in a, in a whole variety of dimensions. And it is true in 3D yep. also. So I mean, if you take, we were watching that thing that uh, Blizzard put out showing the yeah. development of Overwatch. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen this, the... It's oh, like BlizzCon. Yeah. They did yeah. like a 15 minute piece by piece showing Overwatch as it was being made, which yeah. they never do. So it's really kind of fun to see the fact that they just had Tracer and a bunch of gray boxes for like a year. <laughs> yeah, for a long time. <laughs> yeah. That first year, they're just, they have all these engineers building the physics systems, building the lighting systems. Yeah. And then what you start to see is they start to merge those systems in and actually start to use them where the game goes from being mostly just gray boxes and one model. Mm-hmm. To all of a sudden, just rapidly starts to yeah. take shape, which is pretty cool to see. What were you gonna say about it, though, Adam? Yeah, so it had that uh, the character who who sends off the, the spiraling dragons. Mm, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So they had a little a little moment there where they were talking about this because originally they just had this dragon that went up and down, it was a single one. dragon, yeah. yeah, that went up and down, sort of you know through the floor and back up. And then they realize they're like, how the fuck are we going to have this hit people? And how are people going to know if they're getting hit? Because it's calculating and wiggly. It's a sine wave, and it'll be too it'll be too difficult both to on the engineering side to actually make the hitbox work for that mm-hmm. and for the players to understand why they were getting hit. And right, so, so if like I'm standing to the left of it and it's sort of like swirling in my Right, hit, yeah, are you hit or not? I feel like it's coming at me, but then it kind of like wiggles up and around and it kind of yeah, like goes around right. me. And so then they made it two dragons that are swirling around each other, basically making like a, helix. a cylinder. Yeah, yeah. They're, making, they're, they're a helix and so they create a cylinder that kind of shoots forward instead because now all of a sudden you, it can be a cylinder. Right. So that's but easy to model. My favorite thing though is with the way they the way they did it for prototyping, which they referred to it as the hunger caterpillar. Oh, right. Yeah. Or the angry caterpillar. Because it was spheres. a bunch of spheres that were just locked out 
Uh, yeah. like, right. <laughs> just looked like, and they put googly eyes. Some one, one of the engineers put googly eyes on it because <laughs> now it's a caterpillar. And so they had this caterpillar that would just fly through the walls and murder people. Yep. Um, and that's the sort of thing where like the, so if you start out with this original idea, for example, like this guy shoots out this dragon spirit, yeah. super cool. Um, not as simple as that when you actually put it into gameplay terms, right? Yeah. You have to figure out, okay, given well, the you don't, mask you work, don't want just like a just a like a straight as a rod, like perfectly static dragon just right. like floating out, yeah. like having it swirl around like that it's looks like cool rad, as hell. Yeah. But yeah, then you run into the hit. So I think that's interesting thing with even looking at Miyazaki's work because his, I mean, I watched plenty of the movies and they're all they're all super fun. But if I was thinking about trying to put like put one of those into one of our games, would not work. Yeah, on a mecha- on a gameplay level. Uh, or on a mechanical level. And so that's a lot of the It would issue. all be an enormous amount of just custom, right? Just everything would be custom. Tons of custom tooling for yep. it. Um, and this is something that we, we occasionally do invest that amount of resources into particular things like bosses, right? Sometimes have more weird shapes or kind of get blown out. But when it comes to like all the base level content in the game, uh, we just don't have the mechanical, like the CPU usage would just be too high for most of the stuff. Yeah, and the dev cost is too high because everything has to be so hand tailored. Right. Yeah, well, that's that's always the consideration is literally any of these things are possible to program. Yeah, we can do them. It's just all of a sudden we cut out mobile and anybody without two GPUs yeah. on their, you know, on their rig, on mm-hmm. their gaming rig. Uh, uh, so you, have to, you have to describe your computer with the word rig now to play it. Yeah, yeah right. Is, if you don't have a rig, if you just have a computer, then you can't play it <laughs> right. anymore because we wanted to have two dragons. Right. So I guess so. The, best, <laughs> yeah. the best answer is... Uh, the creatures are are cutesque and are built to spec. Yeah. They're built to make it as easy as possible to implement stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now right, let's get to one final question, which comes from Alan Falcon. Do you guys have any interest in referium for finding <laughs> new fans for your games? Or would you prefer to wait for such a system to be proven by others first? What are your thoughts on cryptocurrency in general? All right. We had to look that, this that up. Two separate questions. Yeah. Though. Yeah. So Let's talk about cryptocurrency generally. Cryptocurrency in general, uh, it's fine. I think it's, it's neat. It's still currently useless as a, a medium of exchange. I don't consider it cryptocurrency. I consider it more like a crypto investment. Crypto yeah. stock. I think it's going to stay fairly useless as a yeah. medium of exchange. Much like much like a stock, you you still can't reliably use cryptocurrency, even Bitcoin, which is the most popular one, to go and like you couldn't go buy a cup of coffee with it. Mm-hmm. And then the bigger question is... Oh, you can in some places, but that wouldn't be a wise yeah, move. But importantly, knowing that, for example, if you buy a, a share of stock in a company and it was worth three bucks, uh, you still wouldn't want to go buy a cup of coffee with it because its value goes up by 7% per year. Mm-hmm. Whereas the value of money goes down every year. Mm-hmm. Yep. The, the purpose of inflation is to push you to spend shit, right? right. And so... Uh, so when you have something that's value goes up or down by 20% day by day, and then potentially goes up by 7,000% in a year, <laughs> or maybe it goes down by 7,000, whatever, uh, you, that's not you, money. That's not money. It's yeah. just not, but it's not reliable. Crypto enough. stock is a better yeah, term. You're right way better off just using chickens or just some, some mm-hmm. other thing. Yeah. Something you can barter yeah. with. Yeah. Live, and it's the same, you know? it's the same reason why you don't see people carrying around a bar of gold. And then when they want to buy something, they shave off, they have their little gold shaver and they shave a flake off to get their, you know, get their hot dog or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, it's just, it's inconvenient though. Imagining a world is, where that was the case would be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that used to be the world. Oh man. Um, I don't think I'd want. And there's, and there's a lot of, uh, people like to talk about how it's going to revolutionize things. And I, and I think, um, 
I don't I don't know if that's true because the fact is it's, it's, it's going to create a. I think what it does is it creates an investment vehicle that is very hard for governments to regulate. Yeah, yep. which is that's, which, that is, is which I can get behind. Yeah, that. I like I have nothing against that. <laughs> right. I think that's fine. But as a as a means of exchange and as as sort of like the solution to all of our uh, internet and game problems, you know, I just I, it's hard to imagine how that's well. Be so the let's case. talk about what the actual important thing about cryptocurrency is, which is the fact that it uses blockchain. Yeah, and but, what that means. But so yeah, so blockchain, as far as as far as we understand it is essentially a way to create digital uniqueness. So in other words, it's basically like being able to have actual physical goods in the digital space. Yeah. I, I, Seth can't just duplicate a cantaloupe yeah, that I have. Right. And, I, and, like, and, so if, and if I, he gives you one, he doesn't still have the thing he just correct, gave you. Right. It's guaranteed because it's the universe. Yeah, which yeah. when it comes to digital goods, that's a hard thing to pull off because digital cantaloupes are a dime a dozen. Mm-hmm. Actually, they're a dime per bajillion because yeah. you can just copy free. them, right? Yep. But if you can guarantee that each cant- each digital cantaloupe is completely unique, then you can actually use this now. You can have a cantaloupe farm. Yeah. And actually make money off it. Yeah. So, so, this is, so this is the technology that it's it allows you to create digital scarcity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so Bitcoin by itself is completely worthless except for the fact that it's scarce. Right. And scarcity is what creates value, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so what I think is hilarious is this technology has been around since like 2008 or nine or whatever, mm-hmm. since bi- the Bitcoin first appeared and nobody gave a shit except for the small segment of blockchain mm-hmm. enthusiasts, Oh, actually Bitcoin enthusiasts. Right. right? right. But they were mostly interested in Bitcoin, not necessarily blockchain. And now this year, Bitcoin has surged. And so starting a few months ago, you started to see just infinite startups building their business around blockchain because now that block now that bitcoin is worth a lot uh all these investors who are looking for startups to fund they'll just jump at anybody who uses the word blockchain right. in their business model right. mm-hmm. and we have already Which, seen this a bunch already i'm not gonna name names we have seen some other companies <laughs> where they're doing things that are vaguely tied to blockchain but they're not actually solving a problem. Not like solving a new like problem, a but problem they're just, that- <laughs> say, using blockchain to solve the problem. And and that is what gets them their investment yeah. capital. So, yeah. Uh, and, and this isn't a, to knock blockchain as a technology because it is a technology. Really again, it does it does two very useful things that we that we just described. And I think there there are places where that's going to be hugely useful, uh, potentially. Well, so one of, the, yeah. one of the ideas that was written about was this idea of being able to... So all of us have been buying video games online now, right? Digitally. Yeah, but one of the weird things that's happened is that there's been like you can't actually just resell your games anymore. So what a lot of people do is you know you go buy Final Fantasy X or something, you play through it, maybe you have it on the shelf for a while, and then like a year or two later, you take it to the store, you cash it in for like twenty bucks or something, buy another game. You can't do that with your digital goods. Yeah, but I also don't think necessarily that that's the world we should end up in. Maybe not. Maybe not. Because the reason you could do that is because you had you had a physical good in your possession, and so that. So your license, because the license agreement you had then at that time was basically saying you have the right to have this physical good, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and you could presumably transfer that, right? I right. guess I don't actually know what the what the agreements were like. Um, but for digital goods, you don't you don't sell the game. And there's like the solution that we've come up with right. for digital goods is to not sell the digital goods. That, that's why we, we sell a license. That's why we, we sell, sell a license. Yeah. We sell the right to to use to it. run that digital right. Be- good. because it just doesn't make any sense because it's not a physical item. Right. So I don't, I don't think actually going back to the days where we had physical mm-hmm. items mm-hmm. Uh, is necessarily the right solution. Well, there's well, yeah. My my whole point though is that there was a company that's working on using blockchain, yeah, to being able that. to actually resell your digital stuff, right? 
because right. you would be able to create uniqueness in that case. Right. So as an example of someone trying to use it in, in that capacity. Um, but when it comes to this concept, this idea of referium, so we looked this up. It's a company. All right. Let's just, just go. All right. So, so we went, we went through referium's website and all their pitch and everything trying to figure out like what it didn't help that much. <laughs> it, it was actually, so this is, I think this is telling because like we make games. I don't think we're total dumbos. You know what blockchain does? We, we also own some Bitcoin. We own, we own, well, I mean, maybe. Well, some tiny, Don't tiny tell our banks that because they'll close our accounts. But <laughs> uh, so like we're, you know, we're sort of up with tech. Yeah, you we know. We're in the we crowd. Know how, we know how bits and bytes go. Mm-hmm. And uh, we watched this pitch for a referium. And the whole time we're just like, but what does it do? But what? And why? Mm-hmm. So as far as I understand the the pitch to game developers is, hey, it's expensive to get new users. User right. acquisition is hard, right? Mm-hmm. So imagine if there was a system where you could rely on players to promote your game instead of have paying advertisers. And so uh, and so it makes it much cheaper for you. And then basically what you do with the, what blockchain is basically doing in this context is making it so that you can track referrals. Mm-hmm. Right. That's and then, it. so then players become these sort of word of mouth evangelists and they tell people about your game through this referium system and they get paid for and it. And then they get paid in cryptocurrency. cryptocurrency, which as we discussed, you can't do anything with except later on at some point redeem but, it. For, but re- and referium is the cryptocurrency in this context. Yeah. Which you can then swap, I guess, or exchange it for some other cryptocurrency. Well, that, maybe. that was the part that I didn't get. Cause I was talking about how you'd have to, cause you'd have to, you would need some exchange to basically convert, you know, physical money, I guess, whatever, yeah. dollars into, into well, referium. So basically somebody has to be willing to buy your referium. Right. And, but the thing is, that, that's part that was unclear is if, if this, if referium is backed by, uh, backed by a cryptocurrency, because in that case, then the, then it, then it's not money anymore, like we it's, talked about. It's Cause a stock because the the, the, it, it's the, a, the uh, value is too volatile. Right? Yeah, but if it's so, the question is, what is it backed by? If it's backed by that, then this is an insane idea and doesn't make any sense. But if it's backed by this company, where they basically just decide how much it's worth and people can buy Referium, for example, for a known price in USD or something, then now actually it can have a value. Yes, except that isn't as volatile. Right, except then the business model relies on basically players sort of hosting Tupperware parties, yeah, and trying mm-hmm. to get uh, trying to get all their friends to buy games so that they can get referrals. Except games are cheap. Mm-hmm. Games are like five, ten, fifteen. Yeah, the question bucks. is where is the money actually coming from? In this whole yeah. system, and and not only that, but like. Right, because money has to go into the system. It has to go in there. So where? <laughs> right. So who's putting the money in there? And that was. Yeah, so the whole thing, Very unclear. I mean, as far as I understand, what, what basically you're seeing is people are looking at Bitcoin and saying, holy shit, somebody just created billions of dollars worth of money mm-hmm. uh, that is only useful for just being worth something. Like, that's what it's for. It's just worth something. It's money. Right? Yeah, right. And so, so the ability to create digital scarcity means you can just manufacture value mm-hmm. is the, that's the, like, dollar signs in the eyes that all these, these, uh, investors are seeing. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. And so anytime a company says we're making our own cryptocurrency, yeah. man, you, that, that just means they're making face scarcity so they can sell things for a large monopoly money. That's money. It's yeah. just scarce monopoly money. Yeah. That's all it is. So, uh, so what I think is fascinating about this is we are now we're witnessing. So, so people have been talking about like the Bitcoin bubble, you know, cause it's price is going up like crazy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because, 
Bitcoin has surged. We're getting shitloads of investors and startups trying to figure out how to sort of ride this this blockchain value wave. None of them know how the fuck to use it or what it even does. So it's just the wild west of ideas. It's just the wild west of ideas. This is basically the internet in Again. 1995 through 1999, yep. right? So Referium is like pets.com, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. uh, so you get, you're going to have all these companies that are going to be starting up. They're going to last a couple years. They're going to ride investor funding for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, some of them will be purchased by larger companies, which will then cause just an explosion yep. in those companies. Uh, or they'll just collapse on their own once mm-hmm. the investor funding dries up when everybody realizes that these companies don't they don't actually don't do anything useful. They don't do anything out. useful and they don't actually have a revenue model mm-hmm. that people can. Yeah. The revenue model is just bit, Bitcoin. We, yep. we made a thing. So. Well, I mean, and Adam also pointed out a really interesting thing about blockchain and how it works, which I did not know personally myself, which is the CPU intensity of it. Yeah. Well, it's, the, the idea is it's a, it's a distributed, the whole idea of blockchain is that's a technology that allows you to have basically a distributed database so that if you think of like, uh, the way that you store things in like in Git, for example, for the programmers out there where it's decentralized, everybody has a full copy mm-hmm. of, of the code base in that case. And with something with a cryptocurrency, there, there, and there are other kinds of, there are multiple kinds of technologies for it. But the general idea is that there's no one centralized place that just has the entire blockchain. And, and the, the chain is the sequence of all the transactions and all the things that we yes, created. So that's the so important on. part, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's the whole sequence, it's the from, whole sequence. from beginning to now. Right. Right. And so, so, so people basically have to volunteer to be storing this entire sequence, uh, kind of in the same way that on the internet, people volunteer to host websites and, you mm-hmm. know, that sort of thing. Uh, but to be one of those things, like to be one of those nodes in that's managing blockchain stuff, is just very computationally costly. Uh, so, th- so it's not just a matter of like, you just get to invent cryptocurrency and then just have people use it. And then somehow this is like, you've freely made money that people can now use. It's actually, there's a cost there. The cost is just a different one. It's, it's no longer, uh, you know, producing a good or, or whatever. It's, it's consuming CPU cycles on people's devices. Mm-hmm. And, and even in something like creating, I think there was, there was something I was looking at, uh, looking at the different blockchain technologies. And one of them was bragging about how it can manufacture a new coin, right? Cause these are again, computationally expensive every five seconds. Right. Which is like, if you're a computer person, that is, fucking slow right yep, right and if you want to if you want to manufacture you know billions of these or whatever because so you're trying say, to do something yeah one of the ideas i asked was could we use this for some sort of inventory management or something like that and case. the answer is yes if we wanted it to take five seconds for us to be able uh, in the best case scenario right. for us to be able to now make a new you know coin-like device that mimics like a unique item or something right, right. uh so so it's not just it's not just free digital stuff, you right. know, there, it's, there's a, there's actually a very a high tech resource cost. cost yeah. So, so yeah, you can't just use it for absolutely anything though, though someday if computational power gets high enough and enough mm-hmm. good blockchain tech gets developed, that might actually be true. Um, but for now, anyway, you can't just go use it. You know, you can't, you can't just say, Ooh, I have an awesome idea about how I can use blockchain for uh, managing, you know, users in my, uh, in my service or managing these digital goods that I made that mm-hmm. I'm just creating on the fly. So that everybody has a unique one that they can sell to each other. And, and well, again, yeah, I mean, this is just not is, that easy. This is exactly the internet in the nineties where basically yeah. people just said, I have a, I have a thing I want to do. What if I did it on the internet? The internet? <laughs> right, exactly. And then yeah. whether it was a good or bad business idea, people just got excited about the fact that it was using the internet. Mm-hmm. So they just investment money just what poured about in. Blockchain for email. Since email was the, the thing that actually mm-hmm. the internet was the best thing at. 
Is there a survive? Is there a blockchain for email? Well, so here's here's what here's what I suggest for all of our listeners out there. If you got any, if you got any, actually, actually, even if you don't have any level of technical savvy, don't even worry about it. Just move over to Silicon Valley. Put a pitch deck together. Put a pitch deck together <laughs> about how you're gonna just just pick a problem. Just say cryptocurrency know? a lot of times. Say say blockchain. Blockchain. Just maybe throw uh, an Uber in there. Blockchain for Ubers. It doesn't matter what your industry is. Are you do you do you uh, fish up oysters? Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. Use blockchain, mm-hmm. right? Just just talk about how you're gonna revolutionize this industry with blockchain technology. Just go from building to building. It doesn't even have to be a building with investors in it. You'll still get funding. You get covered yep. in money. Doesn't matter. Yep. Uh, then show, you, just show them a graph of Bitcoin's mm-hmm. trading valuation. So basically, we think. Yeah. Then you take all that money. You move out, back out of Silicon Valley. Get that money out of there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. We gotta because gentrification Invested is a real problem Bitcoin. there. We gotta bring the property values down yep. there so people can actually afford yeah, their yeah. rent. Mm-hmm. Right. Because so, that money gets devalued the moment you get it. If you're actually in Silicon Valley mm-hmm. when you get it. Right? That's right. Yeah. So you move. You know, maybe to the Midwest mm-hmm. somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that money's gonna go a long way. Just watch your company slowly collapse, but that's okay because you know that's how it works. Uh, and then you're good to go. Yep. So just ride that ride that blockchain investment mm-hmm. wave. <laughs> okay. Well, that's been investing advice. <laughs> but seriously, th- I mean. There's a bubble. There's a, a blockchain we're, we're, bubble. It's not a Bitcoin yeah. bubble, though. It's, it's a not a Bitcoin bubble. bubble. It's actually a blockchain bubble. And we're, we're watching the start of it. So, my yeah, my bet is I don't know how fast this thing's going to move, but it's going to get out of control over the next couple of years. But as with as with the internet bubble, though, there were some things that came out of there and did spectacularly. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's just that the, the most of, of the, the cost, <laughs> the, the overall cost of that was very, very high. And that's the kind of thing right. we're probably going to see again. Yeah. So this is fun. This is a, it's yeah. a, it's a great I feel rhino. Like we haven't, I feel like we haven't actually gotten a bubble. Cause like, cause we were, we were kids back when that, you know, we were just those demo kids back when this happened. Yeah. We don't have our own, bubble. we, we don't, don't have there, our own. Bubble. And there was, we, we were, had the housing bubble, which was, we were kind of in college. So we were, which actually impacted, you know, regular people, which yeah. was a bummer. So I, I want to, I want a good tech bubble, a good tech bubble. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like, it's like really not great for, for the people who are for involved billionaires. with it, you know, but it's, yeah, it like happens to billionaires and stuff like that's, I want to see that bubble. Billionaires who are like, I don't really know how this works, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw a 10 million to this company, 10 million to that company, watch it all pop. So that's yeah. happening. All right. Well, that's all we have for you guys. Butterscotch uh, or Damas over yeah. here. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Uh, so be sure to tune in next week. And we'd like to thank our studio wrangler, Monique, and our producer, Fat Bard, for putting this episode together. And the B-Scotch dev team for having our back while we record this podcast. Special thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord and forums running. And if you'd like to get uh, more involved in the Butterscotch community, you can head over to the Discord server, which is at discord.gg slash bscotch. Come say, hey, we got... I think nowadays we've got like 35,000 people in there. About. Yeah, at least. But I think, I think I they think actually- sort of a margin of error of about 34,000. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that they weren't ready for it, so they actually don't show zeros after those those mm-hmm. ones. So yeah, Discord just wasn't prepared for yeah, that. So, so it might be 30 million or, I mean- Who knows? It could be 35. Could say. We don't yeah, know. Yeah, they might have we actually just added some zeros. It's, it's as far clear. as we know, it only goes up to two, three digits. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> beyond that, there's just no way to, there's no way no to way know. So- uh, also, if you would like to adorn your body with Butterscotch merch, check out our shop, which is over at shop.bscotch.net. And also, I want to say, I've been listening to a lot of other podcasts lately, 
And there are a lot of advertisements in these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, if you appreciate that we don't throw ads at you throughout this podcast, maybe uh, hop on over to shop.bscotch.net. Show us, <laughs> buy something. Show us your appreciation. Get a, get yourself a nice mug or, or some buy stickers. some digi games or just give us some Bitcoin. Just give us some Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe just let us be investors in your new blockchain. <laughs> Uh, also, we have a we have a mailbox. So if you'd like to send us some weird meat piece ween lore <laughs> or a bucket of M and M's, you can head on over to mailbox.bscotch.net. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.